Years ago, before I came to Pittsburgh, I pastored in Beaver, Pennsylvania. And there was a little two and a half, three-year-old boy who was a part of the, the church. And he said his grandparents brought him. And he said to his grandparents one, one, uh, one day, I want to go, go see church. So they said, what do you mean you want to go see church? I want to go, go see church. And they didn't quite understand because he, they were glad that he enjoyed coming to worship. But, and then, so they brought him. And as he ran in that Sunday morning to the narthex, he saw me and he goes, there he is, there's church. <laughs> and at first I went, no, no, that, but I got, oh yeah, that's partly right. If we believe that the church is people, then it wasn't just me, but it was everybody that was a Christ follower. There are so many ideas that, uh, that uh, are in our culture about the word church. That um, it's, we have to deliberately, intentionally work hard at allowing God to turn us right side up. And that's what we're trying to do in these few messages about the church. Um, and there's so much that the Bible talks about so much that we could um, zero in on that it would take us a long time to get there. So um, let's, let's do some of it. Review from last week, we started talking about church. The church, the Greek word in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek, is ekklesia, which means um, called out ones, called out ones meaning it's composed of people who are called out from the old life of sin and selfishness. They repent, they do a 180 to follow Jesus. They're called out from sin to following Jesus. That's ecclesia, that's the church. So the church is actually those who have been, who have repented and followed Jesus. Not a building, not a program, not a budget, not a, not a specific um, gathering as a worship service, that, that's not the church. The church is people who are called out. There are three types of churches that we talked about last week. Big C Church is all Christians everywhere. We belong to, we, we call it the universal church. Everyone who is a true follower of Jesus Christ is a part of the Big C Church. It's, the, it's everybody who follows Christ around the world are our brothers and sisters. Little C Church is our, it's a congregation of Christ followers in a particular place. It's just, it's, and that's how it's used mostly in the New Testament. So the gathering of the called out ones in a particular place. So New Song Church is the gathering, the people who gather together in this particular group. And then we talked about Fake Sea Church. And that's, that's, a, the, that's a group of people who call themselves a church, but actually aren't following Christ. And a church is a, a group of people following Christ. And we talked about that. You can get the CD or go online and listen to it. Today I want to talk about some questions that help us understand more deeply what it means to function as the church. And to answer some questions and, and, and really give us some challenges about being the church. First question is this. And this is a question that I've... I've um, question topic that has been ringing around in my head ever since March of 2020. Is church essential? 
Is church essential? And my purpose is not to get political. I mean, it's that my purpose is to be biblical. And that informs every part of our lives, including the political. So biblically, um, the idea of essential and non-essential was on the lips of everyone in March, April, and, and going forward 2020. What is essential? What is non-essential? And it, and it sparked all kinds of discussions, not just in the church world, but in, in, in the whole world. And very quickly, the culture said, well, church gatherings aren't essential. I mean, really quick. I mean, it was like right off the bat. By the, and, and the majority by far said that. Again, I'm not trying to get political, but this can get me into trouble. Most of people who called themselves Christ followers acted like the church was not essential. And so the question is, is the church essential? Because back in March and April of 2020, the idea was any kind of gathering, you know, you know, unless it's absolutely essential, unless you absolutely had to do it, you ought to avoid it. Um, because the focus was on in this world protecting yourself from a virus. That was, that was the thought. That was it. That was the criteria. The criteria wasn't anything. It was protect yourself from this. And by the grace of God, God had led me and other leaders in this congregation to see that that wasn't the only criteria. The criteria is, what does the Bible say Amen. about being the church? And so the answer to this question depends on what you believe about life itself and the church and the struggle between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. I put it there for you. And then you're going to need your Bible to look at some passages in 1 Corinthians. So does anybody need a Bible? Anybody not have one? You're going to need to, okay, we got several people up here who need a Bible. As he's passing that, let's look again at this passage that we looked at last week. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This is the birthday of the church. Now, God has always had a people. We, looked, we talked about that always through the Old Testament. And God, Jesus gathered people in the Gospels. But it was here that the church was born. The body of Christ was born. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They'd been worshiping, praising God, praying, waiting, obediently. And suddenly there came from heaven a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Both of those symbols of God's presence from the Old Testament. Wind and fire, presence of God. And so it was symbolic. It was, it was indicators of what was happening as the Holy Spirit filled each one of the believers. It was the birthday of the church because that had never happened before. 
It had been prophets had been filled with the Spirit, kings had been filled with the Spirit, different times. But now Jesus had promised that his Spirit would fill every Christ follower and then unite them into a body, his body, to carry on the mission that he had begun when he came. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so out of this passage and others, we see the definition of a church is a group of people who have repented that are in relationship with Jesus as Lord. That's, that's the criteria. If you're going to be a Christ follower, you're in a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why we emphasize knees and nudges. Start your day on your knees, surrendering and praising God, and then follow the nudges. Because he, if he's Lord, he, he, you're doing what he tells you to do. Also, in a relationship with each other as the body and the army of Christ. In relationship with one another. Not just relationship, not just a social club. There are a lot of groups out there that, that enjoy friendship and fellowship and, and they do good things. Um, but that's not a church. A church is a group of people where Jesus is Lord and then they are in relationship with one another to fulfill his purpose, his mission, his, as an army storming the gates of hell. And then thirdly, as a result of that, they experience connection, friendship, fellowship. We, we are designed for that. That's why there are social clubs. That's why people gravitate to one another because God designed us for, with this need to be connected with one another. But connected in a supernatural sense because now it's the Holy Spirit in me connecting with the Holy Spirit in you in addition to just the friendship. And doing Jesus' work together. So it's not just enjoying, and, and this is where even um, people, good-hearted people who, who strive to form um, a, a church that is truly of God sometimes miss it because it's, it becomes primarily about fellowship. We enjoy being together, and we do enjoy being together. The people of the Friday learning community were out of control enjoying being together. I mean, they were, I, it was like, okay, it's time to start. It's time to start. I, nobody even listened to me. They just were so enjoying. And I, and I just went, this is wonderful. This is so good. But that's, that's only part of it. The other part is being on mission. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, together or apart, it's doing what Jesus wants us to do. That's the church. And so I put a statement in there that Jesus came, lived, died, was resurrected, sent his spirit to create and empower the church to be his presence wherever we are, whether together or scattered, and accomplish his mission. Gathered and scattered. It's both and. It's not either or. Is the church, is God's church essential? Here's, here's a part of what God reminded us of when all the craziness happened in 2020. There are people in other parts of the world who every time they gather risk their risk dying and they gather anyway 
because that's what the Bible tells them to do. There are people who risk their lives, risk their families, risk everything to gather. And the government tells them don't do that. But they say, I'm, we're going to do what the Bible says, not what the culture says. If the church is not essential, absolutely don't gather. But if it is truly essential, we gather. And then we go to be the mission wherever God needs us to be. Whether it's safe or not. Whether it's accepted or not. Because the only thing that matters is that Jesus is Lord and that we obey what he says. Now if he says, if he says stay home, we stay home. Right? Because it's not about doing something in particular, it's about obeying him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. We talked about this some last week. He is the head. I'm not the head. Leadership team's not the head. Governor's force not the head. Jesus is the head. Our responsibility is to listen to him by surrendering, listening, and obeying, by being on our knees and following his nudges. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Open your Bibles there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at various verses in this chapter, so you're going to want to put your finger there or a piece of paper or something. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And so he's, he's drawing this picture, uh, the analogy of the human body. He says, So just as we have a human body, with different parts, and every part is a member of our physical body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Is the church essential? According to that, yes. Because you can't experience what God wants you to experience all by yourself. And this, this was a debate for years and years before 2020. Can, you know, can, can I uh, be a Christian and just sit home and watch, you know, uh, worship service on TV because there's plenty of them out there and, and I can just be a Christian all by myself at home? Well, I, I, you might be able to be a Christian, but can't you be an obedient Christian? Because it's essential for every person who's a Christ follower to be a part of a body. Otherwise, you're just a hand flopping out there somewhere. And you can't do anything. And you can't experience what God wants you to experience. And the devil has the ability to lie and, and control you because you don't have anybody providing a check. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This prioritizes the, the um, body over the individual. That we are the body, that means the individual. We submit to Christ and we connect with one another. Because Jesus is the owner. So I put some bullet points there for you. Jesus is the owner and head of the church. The body, if that's true, then the church is essential. Right? 
Because this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. He is head of the church. That makes the church essential. Jesus values the church as his bride. This is where I wish I had a lot more time because in the New Testament, we find scripture, a, a, a number of different scriptures talking about Jesus as the bridegroom and the church collectively as his bride. And then, so he's speaking of the value of the church. He values, he sacrificed and he died for his body. Not for individuals, although individuals are part of it, but for his body. Jesus works in and through the church as his body together. And so here this is talking about the church gathered to do what we cannot do individually as his body together. And that makes the church essential. Jesus commissions and deploys the church. So this is the church um, together. He's commissioned us. He's given us this mission. Our, the reason he left us here is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's, that's why he left us here. Otherwise, you know, that last, last verse of that song, someday the trumpet will sound and we get to go home, right? And we don't have any pain. We don't have any difficulty. We get along with everybody. You know, nobody's screaming in our ear. We don't have to put up with crazy drivers. You know, all this stuff that just bugs us. Bugs us. We, we don't have to put up with any of that. Someday, but not today. Because right now we're still deployed as the army of God. We're soldiers. Soldiers, it's hard. Hard because we're doing what God wants us to do in order to accomplish his purpose and his mission. So we're deployed as the church. How do you do that if everybody stays home? I'm not, I, again, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just, what I am doing is trying to prepare us. What if someday there's something else that comes along and people say, don't worship? The church is essential. The church, when the church is gathered, as we're gathered now, the church as the church when we're scattered as the salt and the light. One of the things that I've said for a long time, and, and, and people know that I say it, is let's go be the church, right? Because it's not that we're just the church when we gather for worship. That's important. But the gathering of the church is to ignite us stronger is to ignite us to blaze more to be saltier to 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 be the church to to actually be on mission so that people experience the presence of god and are drawn to him all week long no matter where we are what we're doing the church gathered and the church scattered both in so is the church essential Absolutely. Now, here's where I'm going to challenge us is even sometimes those of us who believe that with all of our hearts, something comes up and we go, well, I guess I won't gather with the church because this is more important. Maybe. Maybe it's not. We need to be very deliberate in what we choose because sometimes he wants us to be gathered 
and we don't. And sometimes he wants us to be scattered in places that we're all about ourselves instead of about him. So don't, please, the, res- the right response is, Lord, show me if I'm not Amen. obeying you. Yeah. Not, oh yeah, that's that church down the street, you know, they're just, you know, they're not the church. No, that's not it. It's not about judging. It's about allowing God to reveal. Number two, is the church relevant? This is another question that's been asked for years, decades actually. Is the church even relevant anymore? Is the Bible even relevant anymore? I mean, it's an old book that's written thousands of years ago in different languages. And, and you know, has, has life moved on so that we've got better or more information and, and it's just a relic of a time gone past? Is the church relevant? Does the church make a difference in the world? Here's where the American church failed. Because in so many places it's not relevant, what, what, what a, quote, church is doing is not relevant, the culture looked out and said, what they do doesn't really matter. So I don't blame just the culture. I blame us for not being the church in such a way that, that people go, no, that, that, that can't stop. Now, I think it happened in some areas, but as a whole, if you don't believe the church is relevant, then, yeah, church, people could function just as well without it. So the answer depends on what you believe about life and church. So keep your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and turn to Matthew chapter 16. Am I, am I meddling yet? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. We read this last week. But it answers this question. Is the church relevant? When the church is Jesus' body and army, here's what he says. Um, Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, excuse me, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you didn't, you didn't figure this out on your own. The spirit of God put that thought in your head and it came out of your mouth. Because, Peter, you're just not that smart. And neither are we. This is something that came from God. This is the truth. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so he says, um, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On the truth that I am the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, who will die, who will be raised, who will ascend to the right hand of the Father, who will send the Holy Spirit, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in that statement, Jesus is identifying what the church is. 
the church is the body of Christ, the army of Jesus, to storm the gates of hell, to rescue those who have been captured by sin and Satan's lies, to free those who have been captured, to to bring them back in reconciliation. He says, that's what the church is supposed to be. If the church is that, then life is spiritual warfare. We live in the context of a war. If we go back to the Gospels and we look at Jesus' opening statements, basically he's saying, I have come to enemy territory because the prince of this world, Satan and all his demonic forces have been ruling. And now I am coming as the savior of the world. I am coming on a spiritual offensive to take back that which God created, the souls of men. And so if we are, if we are an, occupy, uh, an occupying force for God, then we are absolutely relevant because that's the only way people come to know Jesus. Amen. And if we stay and, and if we disobey the Bible to not be salt and light in connection with other people, we're being disobedient to God. Amen. Jesus, and so life is spiritual warfare, and Jesus' church is his army, his family, his body, his salt, his light, his aroma. And how in the world can we do that unless we're around people? The church has got to be the church gathered and the church scattered. Since those two are true, the answer is the church uh, relevant in the relevancy increases with the urgency of the message and the life of Jesus Christ being displayed. When culture is in chaos, that's when we're needed the most. If you are a, um, an emergency responder, when everybody else is running away, you run towards the emergency. That's the church. And, I, and I've been challenging myself, how, how well did I do that? How well did we do that in this last thing? Because there's more stuff coming. It's just, Satan is not going to give up. He, in spiritual warfare, he's going to try everything he can. Which brings us to the third question. Is the church effective? Is the church effective? Is it effective? Years ago, uh, the director of ministries for the Church of God in Western Pennsylvania, which were affiliated with the Church of God in Western Pennsylvania, 60-some churches in the Church of God in Western Pennsylvania, the director of ministries came and visited one Sunday and brought greetings and prayed. Um, And afterwards, a number of people came up to the director and and talked with him. Later, talking with the director, here were the words that I heard. Herb, I can't tell, a bunch of people came up to me and thanked me for the church of God in Western Pennsylvania planting this church some 25 years ago because they said this church has changed their lives. 
And I was thrilled because that's what it's about, right? When we first, when we came, you know, we moved from Beaver, it was just our family, and the whole point was change lives. That's the point, bringing people to know Christ and giving them a, a family. That's what it's been all about. But then the next statement broke my heart. And Herb, I visit churches all over Western Pennsylvania, and nobody tells me that. And my heart broke. And I thought, what are they doing? And, and, and so, benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe people were busy, they just didn't mention it. Maybe they did. I, I don't know. But you did. Is the church effective when the church is being the church? The church is not effective when it's just gathering for nice times on Sunday morning or Bible study or you know, having socials and doing all the stuff that social clubs can do. But the church is effective and absolutely essential and absolutely relevant when the Holy Spirit of God is flowing through and people's lives are being changed. And people who didn't know Jesus now know Jesus. And who people who, who were unhealthy are now getting healthy. And, and marriages that were falling apart are put back together again. And relationships are being reconciled. And people are seeing Jesus, whether you turn to him or not. And they are coming to Jesus. Is the church effective? It needs to be. But in, in the United States, in American Christianity, that's not the norm. And I'm challenging us to be the church. To really, really be the church. The church is effective, I put in your notes, when Jesus is Lord. And I challenge you all the time, if there's anything in your life where you would, God could ask you and you would say, that's too much, he's not Lord. And I challenge you all the time. When 1 Corinthians 13, love rules, and I, you know, this, it's the love chapter. If you're not familiar with it, mark a note, read it later. It's sacrificial love. It's the picture of Jesus. When when a group is committed to one another to love one another no matter what, whatever that love looks like, the church is being the church. The church is effective and relevant and essential. And when it's on mission as salt and light in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, flip back there, verse, beginning with verse 4. First Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And here he's talking again, once again, the analogy of the physical body um, with the spiritual body, the body of Christ. And so he says there's a lot of, there's hands, eyes, ears, nose, voice, you know, feet. Oh, there's all kinds of, of different parts of the body. But it's the same Lord, Jesus. And it's the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Because it's not about me, it's not about the hand or the foot or the voice. It's about God. He's the head and he determines what we do. To each is given the manifestation, the revealing, the activity of the Holy Spirit 
for the common what? Good. The common good. We live in such an independent, individualistic society that it's about us. And so the attitude in American culture is, will this church do something for me? Consumer mentality of, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm church shopping, trying to find the church that fits me. No. The right attitude is, is this the body where God placed me? Is this the group of people where God wants me to be the hand or eye or the ear, whatever it is? Because someday, somebody, if I'm a hand, is going to cut my finger. Right? You hang around long enough, I'm going to hurt your feelings. Not because I don't like you, just because I'm human. And in that moment, we have to decide, do I belong to Jesus or do I, I'm, you know, am I going to worry about my hurt feelings? It's not about that. It's about being the church. All these, jump down to verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. But it is God, as it is God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And so the question is, has God put you in the body? If he has, then we're in this together regardless. Amen. Good, bad, indifferent, ugly, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're in this together because the church is essential. And one of the things, oh, boy, we don't have time. One, here's one of the things, and, it, and it's not just in this world. It's in the unseen. At the end of May 2020, when all of this stuff was, we were just trying to figure it out. You know, just, and I, I confess, I don't know that I did it all right. I don't know. But we never stopped meeting. And in the end of May 2020, they were kind of opening up things and, you know, the, uh, the mandates were kind of loosened up. And, and they said, okay, it's okay if churches come back together but they can't sing. And I remember I was sitting at the kitchen table listening to the podcast that said this, and God had, already, God had been taking me to study Daniel when the way that the enemies of Daniel and the enemies of God tried to capture him was by telling him he couldn't worship his God for 30 days. And in that moment, the whole, it's, it's like God had been arranging all this stuff so that I was ready. And when I heard that, it's like the Holy Spirit said, there you go. The devil just tipped his hand. Because how does God most receive his praises from his church? Singing. So when, it's like the devil, you went a step too far. Because now I understand. This is a spiritual... And so when people do not sing and praise God, God receives less glory in the unseen realm. Because the Bible tells us when we're singing God's praises, we are joining with the angels. We're joining with those around the throne. And so what we do in the earthly realm has heavenly realm impact. And at that moment, I went, this is a spiritual battle. This 
isn't an earthly battle. This is a spiritual battle. And we will sing. And we will gather. Because it's about obeying Him. Go back to chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to look at this scripture in the light of these three questions. Is the church essential? And I want to challenge you, if it is, commit. If it is relevant, commit. If it is effective, it will require all the body working together, using our gifts and abilities as as passionately and as effectively and as often as possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I, this is the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul to the, the church in Corinth who was, who was struggling to live right side up. In the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together... It is not for the better, but for the worse. In another translation, it says, your gatherings do more harm than good. What a condemnation. When you're coming together, it is worse. I've been to congregations like that. When the gathering brought dishonor to God more than honor to God. So instead of honoring Jesus as Lord and living in love, they were focused on themselves. Look, verse 4. This, this is why. This is what was happening. Verse 18, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. You're fighting. You're fussing with each other. You're, you, you, what you want is more important than what God wants. And so you're, you have these divisions. And I believe in a part, for there must be factions among you in order to, that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, there needs to be the ability to see, okay, that person's living a Christian life, but that person's not. And this, the, the, you know, the, the people who are living. And so he says, we need to be able to recognize that. But, but what you're doing is just fussing with each other. He says, when you come together, it's not for the Lord's Supper that you eat. Even though that's what they were calling it. And, the, and this was love feast that they would get together and it'd be a whole meal and, as they would celebrate communion. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Come on, are you serious? This is happening in the name of Jesus. Somebody's being a glutton and this person over here doesn't have any food. This person is getting drunk and this person doesn't have anything to drink. He says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? That church is not essential, right? If it's going to act like that, that church is not relevant. It's doing more harm than good. It's, and it's effective in bringing dishonor to God. Selfishness has no, look, look at me, selfishness has no place in the church. None, zero. In fact, it doesn't matter what I want around here. There are things around here that I don't even like. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Got it? You still with me? Anybody want to run yet? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No. 
I will not. For I receive, and then he goes into taking their focus off of themselves and putting it on Jesus. I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the, the Lord on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he, 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 the Apostle Paul is referring back to that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples when he instituted the celebration that pointed to himself. And he says, when, you, when you're celebrating, you're not celebrating Jesus at all. But this is what you ought to be doing. In the same way also, he took the cup. After supper saying, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He says, communion is about honoring Jesus as Lord by remembering his sacrifice on the cross, his broken body, and his shed blood. But it's also about honoring his body, the church, by being in unity and acting in love. As, and, then, and then it's about proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. It's looking forward to that day when he will return. But when he says proclaiming the Lord's death, he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's saying, when you do this in the right spirit, when you do this as Jesus designed it, you are thumbing your nose at the devil and his de demons every time. You're reminding them that they were defeated. You're reminding them that someday they're going to go to hell and Jesus will rule. Amen. How can you do that, he says, if you're focused on yourself? If you're being selfish, you can't do it. So that's why he goes on. Whoever, verse 27, therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So he says there's two elements. If you are not doing this in honor of Jesus, then you are, um, you are being disobedient. If you are not doing this out of love for the body, you are not doing this in obedience to Jesus. And, and so the, the, um, the instruction is make sure you are right with other people. Forgive other people. Take yourself out of the way. Um, and make sure that you, between you and God, you're clear. Don't, don't participate in communion if you aren't clear before God. And if you got anything against somebody else, that you haven't reconciled, then don't take it. Because this is not about you. This is about him. And then listen to this. And I've always had trouble with this. But, but it's in the Bible. And so I can't, I can't sidestep it. He says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. 
He says, God takes this so seriously that in that church, people were dying because they were dishonoring God and dishonoring the body. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. He wants to pull us back so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Love each other. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. One example of what it looks like for the church to be essential, church to be relevant, church to be effective. And so with that, we're going to celebrate communion. We do it every, on the, every year, the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving as a way to remind us to be thankful for him, not just for our material blessings. But I, I, in Acts 13, um, when we met with other congregations, we this was one of those topics of the seriousness of, of celebrating communion. Uh, that it is, it's, it's not a means of salvation as the Catholic Church and some other churches, but it is um, a symbol. It, it, it is a participation with Christ in, in His grace. So I'm, I'm going to ask that the ushers to come and they're, they're going to distribute the elements. And during this time, if we could have some music, I want you to just consider what I've talked about. If there's anything between you and the Lord that you would make it clean, make it right. If you have anything that you need to clear up with somebody else, you can call them or just not take communion today um, because this is about the Lord. I'd like you to take your cracker if you can. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And I'd like you to break it if you can. And as you hear that snap, recognize the broken body of Jesus. And as he broke the bread, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we can never measure up. And we're so grateful that we don't have to. You just tell us to surrender and listen and obey and let your spirit flow through us to transform us, to change us, to mold us into your image. And so as we eat this cracker, and we drink this juice. Lord, we want to give honor to you. 
to commit to your body afresh, to love with that 1 Corinthians 13 sacrificial love. And we want to proclaim you as Lord here and in the unseen and commit to serving you until you come again. So we look back and we look forward and we give you our lives. I pray that you would work in each of us and among us all to truly be your church. Identify those places where we need to change or, or shift or do better or expand or whatever it is, God. We give ourselves to you for your purposes. Take the words that we've shared today and, and let them ruminate in our hearts and our souls. God, let your spirit poke at us and, and guide us and direct us that your, your mission that you have given this body will be accomplished day by day, moment by moment. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful for who you are, what you do, and in all the ways that you sacrifice for us, move among us. The joy and the satisfaction that you provide is beyond words. So thank you. In the name of Jesus, we offer ourselves to you. Amen.